0: My planet Arrakis is so beautiful when the sun is low Rolling over the sands, you can see spice in the air The outsiders ravage our lands in front of our eyes Their cruelty to my people is all I've known. Ah! What's to become of our world? Oh.
1: A boy! <laughs> hey, Duncan, can I trust you with something? Yes, always, you know that. I've been having dreams. About a girl on Arrakis. I don't know what it means. Dreams make good stories. And everything important happens when we're awake. Hey you, put some muscle? I did? No. We are House Atreides. There is no call
0: we do not answer. There is no faith that we betray.
1: Smile, Gurney. I am smiling. The Emperor asks us to
0: bring peace to Arrakis. House Atreides accepts! Oh, I know you. Something
1: awakening in my mind. You need to face
0: your fears. Come with me. You need to be ready. We've never met Harkness before. They're not human, they're brutal.
1: It's Duke's son that sees too much. This is I dune. Kill them all. God in heaven.
0: Get everything with guns off the
1: ground! Go! This is an extermination. They're taking my family off one by one. Let's fight like demons. Dad, what if I'm not the future of House Atreides?
0: A great man doesn't seek to lead. He's called to it. But if your answer is no, you'll still be the only thing I ever needed you to be. My son. If anything happens...
1: together can we stand a chance it's time you
0: give i'm jessica
1: and i'm cameron <laughs>
0: We're just two cousins who love watching movies, so we decided to make a podcast. Welcome to the What the Flick podcast.
1: Look at you, and you're
0: using Dune for your microphone stand.
1: I am. I am. <laughs> this is uh, Dune: The Butlerian Jihad, which is one of like the prequel um, books that I haven't read yet, but I bought.
0: Well, there you go. A while back, this um, appropriately leads us into. Um, what I'm calling episode six, Dune, AKA the one where Cameron nerds out. I'm assuming
1: it's, it's time. Yeah. It's time to nerd out.
0: So you have been so pumped for this movie. I mean, I've been excited too, but Mm -hmm. not to the level that you were. And honestly, quite honestly, if Rebecca Ferguson had not been in this movie, I don't know that my level of excitement would have been near what it was. And honestly, like, Just the cast in general. If it had been a different cast, I don't know that I would have been as excited. But you have been long awaiting Dune, especially since it got pushed back like a million times.
1: Yeah, it feels like a million times.
0: So the the million dollar question, what did you think?
1: All right. I I absolutely loved it. Um, I am a huge Denis Villeneuve fan. He's probably my favorite working director right now. Um, I gave Blade Runner 2049 100 out of 100. It's a perfect movie to me. Uh, Sicario is unbelievable. Arrival's unbelievable. Enemy is super weird, but awesome. (laughs) Like, he's just got such fantastic movies um it's it's like the thing where like it feels like he crawls inside my brain and is like it's exactly what you want to see right like it's yeah. just like, like, to, he, like Christopher
0: he, McQuarrie to me is what uh Dennis Villeneuve is to you
1: mm-hmm. yes yep exactly it's just like it's everything that like I love and I eat up is like it's he's putting on screen every time. It's like he's just like, hey, what? It's like he's like pulling off cool tricks. He's like, hey, watch this one. And I'm just like, oh (laughs) Oh
0: my gosh, he did it. Look at that.
1: (laughs) Did you see that one? So that's me (laughs) with uh, with the knee, uh, Villeneuve. And I also love Dune. Um, actually. I'm not like a like a lifelong um, Dune person or anything. I know there's like a lot of people that, you know, old, a little bit older than me that, you know, read it when they were younger, or, you know, and they've probably been waiting a long, long time uh, for these movies. But really what almost like got me to read Dune was the announcement that it was going to be adapted and that Denis was doing it. And I was like, oh, like I've always heard there's like, uh, yeah, I've heard of those books. I've heard they're pretty good. You know, whatever, started like looking into it. And that's when I decided to read it. And so I read the original book, Dune. And it uh, it's Frank Herbert is the author. It's unlike any other book I've ever read. His writing style is very unique. Um, it's very it's super dense. Like it's a really dense writing style, it's really dense subject matter. And I think I got through the first half of the book and I got like to the halfway point And I was like, I don't know anything that's going on. Like, I was like, I have no idea what, I, what I'm reading right now. Have I even and, read anything? <laughs> yeah. And like it finally, like I finally started to kind of get on the same pace as him, um, like halfway through the, the first book. And I was like, oh, I think like, I think I get what he's saying. Like, I think I understand the way that he talks, the way that he writes. And so I actually went back and read like the most recent quarter of the book that i just read i read it again because i was like oh i'm starting to pick up on stuff like I, i see where it's going and once i hit the back half of dune i was like all in like it's it was crazy like it's it's just so unique it's so the source material is like incredibly like thoughtful and like provocative and like there's there's like a lot being said um and there's like Mostly through, like, subtle ways, but it's just, it's so intriguing to me, like, the way that he, like, builds the world and, like, also, like, folds in a lot of, um, like, relevant, like, political and human nature, like, issues, right, or thoughts or theories, right, and how they would be applied in, like, such a large scale. The way that they talk about time, like, Frank Herbert talks about time and uses time, like, throughout dune is like it's like mind-bending like you can't grasp like the scale of like everything that's going on like it's just so vast yeah like the universe yeah the the time that's being elapsed like the number of people the size of, of the buildings the size of the sandworms and so I, I would stress that it's like it's almost beyond your imagination like how yeah. big everything is like in this universe and i think Denis did a really good job and that's the, you know, the first thing I'll, I'll talk about here with with the movie really is, is capturing like how big everything is. Yeah. You know, I think he did a really good job of like the way you framed the shots and like the way the effects were used and stuff like that. To just show you like one little person compared to like the sandworm or one little person compared to like the ship that they're walking out of. Right. Yeah. Like it's just it's so insanely massive. Um, yeah. But I'll try and give like a quick primer uh, to Dune for anybody yeah. that hasn't read the books um, and has either seen the movie or hasn't seen the movie and might be like a little bit confused or wants more information before they go in or afterwards right yeah. so Dune is set like the original Dune is set like in the year like 10,000 something Um. so like 8,000 years from now yeah. uh, I think Frank Herbert wrote this book in 1964 I think it was five I think it was
0: 1965 65. yeah
1: Um, so there's, it's like in this post Butlerian Jihad, which is the book that is right here, um, (laughs) where there was like a war against the thinking machines, um, meaning like robots, AI, uh, that had basically like grown beyond the ability to like control it and um it all kicks off when this and this isn't like really a spoiler but um it all kicks off when like one of like the robots or the thinking machines like ends up like killing like a human child okay and it's like people become like up in arms right and there's this long long you know war that kills millions billions of people and ends up they eventually end up winning and they wipe out the thinking machines and so there's no computers like, there's nothing that, that acts as a human brain and technology that's present in, like, the Dune universe. So, like, they cannot, they obviously have technology. They have, like, ships and, right, and like, right, all right. kinds yeah. of like different stuff that's, like, very advanced. Yeah. But nothing is allowed to mimic, uh, like, a human mind thinking huh. and learning and stuff like that.
0: I feel like we're getting dangerously close to uh, that with the weird robots that if they, if this becomes a thing, just put me out of my misery. Just. Kill me now. I won't be able to do it. So
1: yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, the war against like robots seems like one that you want to tap out early on. Yeah, I
0: don't want to get deep into that I'm one. G- that's not one I'm I want. to... Good. I'm
1: good. <laughs> yeah. I don't need to stick around for the exactly. triumphs. I think I'm. I think I'm fine to miss that one. But anyway, so that's that's like a base layer for Dune. There's three like main players um, in like the known universe as they call it, which is like encapsulated under like one umbrella okay. it's like literally all of the planets in the known universe there is the Landisrot, which is like basically just all of like the rich and powerful families they have like a coalition of like it's like political influence okay. right and there's the padasha emperor that is the emperor of the known universe that basically is essentially like connected to like the wealthy families and stuff like that and commands them but there's also kind of like a a, a degree of separation where like the emperor thinks that the wealthy families are probably always trying to overthrow him yeah th- for the Which, throne or whatever
0: the emperor is mentioned in this movie but we do not see him mm-hmm. correct
1: that's correct okay you do not see him um and he <laughs> I say will that be as if I in... haven't seen
0: it I don't I can I can say nothing for sure I have yeah. seen the movie. <laughs> I can say nothing for sure about what I know and do not know.
1: Sure. And uh, we, you, we will see him in part two.
0: Okay. Um, I assumed as much.
1: Yeah. And so anyways, there's like, they're, they're kind of kept at arm's length from the emperor. He doesn't really trust them, but he does like assign to them, like what they go and do or like what I they're did, like granted. I did catch that. Yes. So where, like where this opens up is like uh, the Atreides family the treaties like dynasty right has been granted um or i guess bestowed upon them the like charge to rule over arrakis which Mm -hmm. is the most important planet can planet in the galaxy which i'll get to in a second but i'll finish talking about the powers of play here so there's the emperor and the landis rod that's just one that's one of the three powers of play there is chome C H O A M, all caps and the spacing guild which they're basically, they're essentially the same thing. They handle like space travel and uh, movement of goods and shipping and stuff like that, right? So, like, they're basically, they're like the only people that like, like, they transport materials, they transport goods, they transport people, whatever. Like, if you want to go somewhere in the galaxy, you have to go through them. So, they're, so they're like, a pretty big player and they have navigators which use spice so navigators are like these like pseudo humans that have basically been like fed spice um from like an early time in their life and they like mutate into these kind of like weird like giant headed things that um are so like instilled with the spice that they can like sense danger through space and time like they can tell they can navigate like they're called navigators for a reason they can navigate through space um effectively without running into like black holes or any other type of like space debris or whatever that might you know wreck a ship right they make they make space travel um doable right yeah in this in this day and age um And then there's the Bene Gesserit, um, who are, like, referred to as, like, weirding women or witches a lot of the time. And they're basically, like, a, I guess, a a group um, of all women that are, like, trained and have been, like, training for, like, uh, centuries, basically, to, like, perfect, like, a lot of things, like, about, like, the human body. Basically, like, giving them, like, themselves abilities, where they can use this thing called the voice, which is, like, a commanding voice that they use that that basically forces people to do as they say it's kind of like like
0: the force
1: it's kind of like the force yeah kind of like the force except for it's literally it's spoken instead of like you know right so they have like the voice um they have other things where they can like regulate like their um their like metabolism uh internally like they can detect poisons like internally like in their system um they reference and doing truth sayers uh where like uh the reverend mother that we saw mm-hmm. is like the truth sayer to the emperor. And yeah. she can basically like, she can tell when anyone's lying, she knows like she can seek out the truth. like you can't lie to them. Right. Yeah. Um, so like, they're just kind of like a, this weird kind of like cultish type deal that like they're instilled like throughout the galaxy. Like they have their own plans. They like infiltrate wherever they want to. They, they, influence like other like powerful families they build religions around things that they want to happen Mm. um and so they're doing all this like work like day by day by day on a wide scale over centuries right to push them towards a path where like things will come out well for them right um and that's why they've been doing this breeding program which is like pretty important that where they're essentially like crossing bloodlines between like wealthy And powerful, like families and stuff like that, to try and create the—I can't say um, it—Quizzatzhararak. I just—I
0: want to stop for just a second, and I cannot wait for people who don't know you very well to listen to this podcast episode and be like, "Wow, he is a huge nerd." (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh yeah massive nerd but just remember i'm trying to help you guys I'm like you to help can you seal it
0: like i don't you can seal it and this is like yeah. this is your coming the, out of like yeah, yeah no i'm super nerdy no,
1: massive <laughs> insanely massive nerd no, yeah i love it uh, so but there's this idea that that they can create like a a human being um i think the it's it's a male like they have like foretold like in their prophecies that there will be a male that can basically um see forward and backwards in time and like navigate time like in a non-linear way um and when i say like navigate i mean like they can see into the future and like influence things or like know what's going to happen um and the idea is that they would like lead them towards like a better path Right. right. If there's somebody that can like see into the future see into the past, learn things, speak with, you know, people from those times uh, like in their head, like right. they would be able to direct the world, the universe into a better place. But some of them don't even really believe that it's like possible um, to create this like being this person. Um, and some of them like believe it. But like that's like kind of a big thing, like throughout this first one, this first movie is like the belief in like. Prophecy or things you've been told and like seeing it in person, right? Yeah. Like that's kind of touched on a lot, but that's kind of like the primer. We'll get, we'll get to Arrakis. It's like I said, it's the most important planet in the universe. Uh, It's complete desert. Like it's virtually unlivable. Um, Like it's just harsh, 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 horrible conditions. Um, But it just so happens that it produces like this product called spice or melange which they don't actually say in the movie but it's often referred to as melange is it not just sand and
0: it's something it's it's i that was one thing from the movie that I was like is it just sand or is it something that's found in the sand
1: yeah so it's something that's like in the sand on arrakis um and i'll give you a little peek behind the curtain it's actually produced by the sandworms
0: uh Oh, interesting. Uh,
1: yeah, which isn't like I don't think that's really like a spoiler or anything. It's interesting um, and also kind of lets you know like, oh, why is there there's, there's literally sandworms nowhere else in the galaxy, like why are there sandworms here and why is there spice here? They're well, connected. Anybody um, who
0: had any lack of common sense would would know they're related you put the
1: two yeah, put the two together. Um, and so, anyways, as I just mentioned, there's giant, like massive, insanely large, like behemoth beasts that live beneath the sand that are called sandworms um, that are very dangerous to the people trying to mine the spice so that they can sell it because it'll make them very rich. And the spice is uh, like a drug, essentially, that uh, prolongs life and actually has like a lot of positive health benefits uh, for people and also offers a depending on your sensitivity to it, like a shred of prescience, as they call it, meaning you, that you have visions. Mm. Right. Um, so it's almost hallucinogenic, right. Yeah. Psychoactive. Um, and, uh, it's also incredibly addictive. So essentially the entire universe takes it, uses it all the time and is all addicted to it. And it also keeps their space travel like alive, right. They can do it because of the navigators. Right. So, it's the most important thing in the universe. Like they have to have spice to continue to do things like the way that they're okay, doing it. That,
0: that actually makes sense because in my mind, the way it was described in the movie, I thought they were using spice like gasoline. And I was like, how are people able to like eat this and or sniff it or however the heck they're doing yeah. it? and also it's gasoline i was like this is not computing but the fact that it feeds the navigator's ability that makes more sense
1: yeah so like in a way it is kind of like gasoline in that purpose because it's like fueling these things that help them navigate space but it's mostly consumed by it's it's all consumed like the use of it is consumption right um and so it's like direly, it's incredibly important. And whoever controls Arrakis, which at the beginning of the movie and for like 80 years, I think it was the Harkonnens.
0: Harkonnens. Uh, I which knew is it was like, a was powerful like Hanakin. Powerful Heineken. 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 The
1: Harnikens. <laughs> <the> That's <laughs> uh, where the beer came from. <laughs> And so they've been in control of it uh, for 80 years, and they've gotten exorbitantly wealthy off of it. They make so much money because they're the ones controlling the spice, and they're, like, super cruel to, like, everyone on Arrakis and, like, make sure that everything runs like a well-oiled machine, you could say. Um, But they're horrible people as well like they're all they want is like higher profit more spice like you know everything right like it's just about money they don't care about the people and they're incredibly like cool cruel to the people and
0: and the emperor chose them to run arrakis until this movie slash book yeah when it is getting taken from the harkonnens and given to house atreides atreides Yes. Atreides,
1: yeah. Yep, okay. That is correct. And, and the emperor's been doing that for a, a while where he decided that it would be a cycle of about every 100 years, they would cycle a new family in there to run Arrakis because otherwise they're constantly be like fighting for like who wanted to do it and it's just like hey here's the rules you wait 100 years we cycle you in you get to run it then you get your 100 years you get out and like that's yeah those are like that's the rules that have been in play and the harkonnens have only been there 80 years they're getting pulled out a little bit earlier than they should have right and And they've been running it pretty much the most efficiently yeah as well making the most money and they're not happy to be uh being pulled out um and they kind of like know that um, the emperor knows they won't be happy. The Atreides know they aren't happy. It's not it it seems pretty obvious that like things aren't going to go like they're not just going to go away. Yeah. Right. Um, one last important thing is an introduction. Um, there is the Fremen who are um, basically they were originally um, like pilgrims in a way to Arrakis, Um, like they came there like thousands and thousands of years ago um, on, you know, for some type of, of region. I think it was like religious based where it was like there was like a prophecy, like in their religion that like Arrakis was like a holy land, right? Okay. And so they ended up there living in the desert and they have been there for so long that they're essentially the natives to the land. Right. Yeah. And they live out in the desert. They live like in rocks, like underground. Um, and they're very like, I'd say like deep into like the culture of like what goes on on Dune. like they're, they're the native people. Everyone else yeah. is an intruder essentially. Right. Um, and they are like one with the desert and like, you know, they have all these like beliefs about about the desert and like they almost like they worship like the sandworm and, and all this stuff. They call it Shai Halud, um, which means the great worm. Uh, but they're super crucial to the story. But the, like the most important thing about them, I guess, at the beginning is that like they're um, like very protective of water. Because they yeah. obviously live on a they live planet in a that desert. Has yeah. no water. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so they're very protective of it. They have these, they develop these things called still suits, which essentially can like recycle all of your body's like moisture into like drinkable water, like day after day after day after day. After day and it's like a huge survival thing, right? Um, and that is probably a pretty good introduction. I'd say like that's, that's kind of like where we land. And at the beginning of the movie, the Atreides are taking over Arrakis from the Harkonnens and they're going there to, to lead. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of moving parts. Um, for Uh somebody who had never read the book, who didn't really know anything going into it. Um, I was a little worried that I would not understand what was happening. And there's definitely like, there's definitely like little things that i probably didn't pick up on but overall the story you know is pretty not simple but like it it, it has um it has a lot of like biblical overtones um it's very much a messiah chosen one storyline type thing so it's it's not like a story that's never been told. Um, Right. There's a lot of familiarity. Yeah. There's a lot of familiarity. Um, There's a lot of things that you can kind of like tie to as well. I think in popular culture, like if you've seen game of Thrones, like you kind of understand the houses and like the families and um, there's a lot of things that, Yeah. It's not hard to pick up on at all, at least like the overarching plot line.
1: Like you, you, yeah. If you go in, like, even if I didn't, if you're, you know, if you're listening right now and you heard all the stuff, I said, if you were to go in without knowing any of that, like you would still, you would understand what the story is. There'd be a lot of things in the periphery that you were like, I'm not really sure what's going on here. That's a little confusing, you know, whatever. But in terms of what story they're telling, like you would, you would understand it. Yeah.
0: 100%, which I think to me, as far as I understand was a huge criticism of David Lynch's Dune movie in the 70s was that, well, A, I just don't think it was good, but, am because I think he tried to squeeze the whole book into one movie, which is what um, yep. Villeneuve was like, I'm not doing that. I will do this, I'm but not I'm not doing, doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And thankfully, like, Warner Brothers, like, agreed to let him split it up, and they've already greenlit a second movie, which is excellent news because it was a really good movie. Um, yeah. But it is funny to watch. So a lot of people... Um, if you're a fan of Star Wars, I keep, I kept saying like, for me, it was like Star Wars meets Game of Thrones meets Lord of the Rings. Like mm-hmm. it feels like a mashup of all of those. Yeah. And so if you're a fan and of any of those, it has similar um, storylines, but from what I understand, George Lucas is a huge fan of Dune. And so he pulled a lot of Star Wars from just the sci-fi, yeah. the lore, you know, all that, that sort of thing. Um, and when you watch it, you're definitely like, oh, yeah, like this is reminiscent yeah. of Star Wars. Like I could see, which is kind of funny because I wonder if they're like, we did it first. <laughs> like, this yeah. was us. Like we did I this can tell first. You, like, um,
1: there's a lot of like original, like big time, like Dune people that are like. Like, I, th- I think they do get like defensive about it. They're like, it was first, like, this yeah. inspired George, Lu- George Lucas. And I do tell people that, but I think it's just interesting. Like, it is,
0: but they are very different. Like, they're not, they are very they're different. not the same, like, no. by any stretch there's, of the imagination. There's, there's
1: some beats and some general themes that kind of yeah. come through. Like, uh, very uh, much but, like
0: the Luke Skywalker, you know, type character, the chosen, you know, whatever this idea of, um, yeah, space travel, obviously, like the different planets, like it, th- yeah. there definitely are elements of it that are clear. If he read Dune, it would be like, oh, yeah, no, I got that. Um, but yeah. it's very, very, very different. Um, and I, I would say much more serious than Star Wars. Very serious. It but is it very did have serious. some moments of levity, which I enjoyed. Um, yeah,
1: I was glad that they got some of those in there because I was, it, it. it's very, it's heavy like generally pretty heavy material there's times where like it lightens up and there is some like funny stuff but it's pretty serious most of the time
0: yeah and which is not a bad thing like i don't i i think it but it is in that way i would say it's very different from star wars not that star wars isn't serious but i think star wars borderlines more of a comedic um kind of route but um i think like overall we haven't really talked scores yet so you said you gave blade runner 2049 100 what did you give dune
1: so i i walked out of the theater thursday night i saw it you know opening night and uh i was like i had a number of mine but i was like dude like let's just you know let's just take a breath <laughs> let's, like, let's just relax because i was a little bit i was like am i just like riding this wave of like that was definitely awesome but like am i just like it's am i overhyping it right and yeah. so I cooled it. I didn't score it. And I watched it again in theaters, same format, uh in Dolby on Saturday. And I walked out and I stuck with the score that I had in my head. Um So I officially put it down as a 98 out of 100.
0: All right. 98. So it didn't beat Blade Runner 2049. That was going to be my big question was, did it beat um, out Blade Runner 2049? Um, no. I have seen it twice but the second time was on hbo max so i did see it mm. i saw it on imax the first time it's it felt long to me it is long it's two and a half hours long um yeah so i will preface it with it is actually long it doesn't the pacing is fine it's not that i saw it late and I was exhausted. So that was part of the reason that I was like, oh my gosh. Like, And there's like three moments where you're like, this is it. This is the end of the movie. And then it like keeps yeah. going. And I'm like, yeah. this is like the Gone with the Wind of space movies where I'm like, you're, or the sound of music where you're like, they conquered the Nazis. And then it's like, and yeah. we're launching into this whole other storyline. And you're like, oh my gosh. Um, <laughs>
1: you're like, there's more?
0: I know. I was like, I... Which is fine. And I didn't hate it, but yeah. I just I was like, oh, this is a natural end. I thought when um, I'll try to say this without spoiling it. <laughs> when they land in the desert towards the yeah. end of the movie. Yeah. I thought it was over, but there's like 30 more minutes of story. Yeah, Like I yeah, thought it was, was going to be 30. like, and now they set off onto their journey and that's where I, <laughs> the second part comes in. And I was like, Oh, it's almost right. done. Like whatever. And then I was like, Oh wait, no, they're still going. They're still walking. <laughs> still
1: um, got more. Still yeah, got more.
0: Surely it's not going to be. Yeah. So, which it wasn't a bad thing. And I don't, I actually, it felt the second time I watched it, I definitely did not feel that way at all. Like the pacing yeah. of it is really good. Um it I is, gave yeah, it like well-paced. an 87.
1: All right. Um
0: mostly just because I these are just are not my kind of movies. I like Star Wars, but this kind of movie, yeah. I felt the same way about, about Blade Runner twenty forty nine. So where you like these movies that you love because you're like this yeah. is amazing. I'm like, oh man, this is, ooh, this is. Uh, I'm I'm.
1: There's something about like the drab, dark, heavy. Like you know, what I'm saying. Cameron, I don't are know you what depressed? Do we need?
0: Do you need to talk <laughs> I'm to somebody? Saying,
1: I'm very moody. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Something. But I there's something
0: but about, like, like Arrival for me ninety nine
1: easy right like Like arrival is
0: i freaking love arrival um you like
1: sicario too as well freaking love
0: sicario so i do there are some of his but i think this um i also just have an issue with post apocalyptic movies that's just my thing i'm not that's not my mo um yeah but i still really really enjoyed it uh i thought they did i thought he did a great job explaining it kind of dumbing it down but not to the point where people who are fans of the book would be like oh gosh like you don't have to explain it to us like we're five Um, yeah
1: it didn't sacrifice the story for sure
0: no and i thought that um obviously the cinematography was amazing um the acting was incredible my two favorite scenes well my absolute favorite scene of the whole movie and i don't think this is a spoiler because it's in every freaking trailer that they showed and it's like one of the quintessential scenes it's the hand in the box scene yeah and it's like everything <laughs> about it the acting the cinematography the music like everything about it is like on point and like timothy chalamet bless his little heart just sold it like
1: dude i was thinking the same thing sold
0: it and
1: i was like it's just crazy
0: and like charlotte rampling is so good and mm-hmm. Rebecca Ferguson is so good like everything about that scene was legit my second favorite scene is a fight scene with Jason Momoa so Mm -hmm. I won't go into details but you'll know what I'm talking about when it's behind the cameras behind everybody and then he just steps up into the frame I was like oh my gosh
1: so cool (laughs) I was like what
0: That's amazing. So those are my two favorite um, scenes. Obviously, some other elements that we need to talk about. Hans Zimmer did the score. When does Hans Zimmer ever go wrong? He doesn't. He doesn't at all. Um, Yeah. I will say, though, because I didn't see it till Monday. So it came out on Thursday. I had a very busy weekend. So I couldn't see (laughs) it till Monday. It was killing me. It was doing everything. In my power not to turn on HBO Max, I was like, no, do not watch this the first time on HBO Max. You will regret it. And I'm so glad I didn't. But everybody was talking about Hans Zimmer's score. So when I went in to see it, I was kind of like, oh, like at the end of the movie, I was like, it's good. But like. It wasn't. Yeah, you know, it, it was wasn't probably- like memorable. And then the second time when I watched it at home on HBO Max, I was like, "Okay, yeah, no, I'm getting it now. Like it almost takes like a second to set in.
1: I felt almost like the exact same way, because the first night that I saw it, it was like blowing my face off. Like it was like this sound design, the score is just like crazy. Yeah, But there was nothing that like I couldn't I couldn't remember. I was like, there's not. It's not a piece there's not like there's a, not like a, a motif
0: that like sticks in your brain
1: so like, i can't like grab yeah. it you know what i'm saying yeah. and then the second time i watched it i was like oh no no no. i was like this is this is not just like very well suited to the movie like i it's it is there's more here yeah like and yeah i mean obviously we're gonna talk about the bagpipes like
0: <laughs> the bagpipes
1: <laughs> the bagpipes coming <laughs> off there and well uh, and of
0: course our <laughs> scottish heritage We're even, it's like we hear bagpipes and it's like a honing call home. Like it's a beacon to our homeland. So obviously we're going to love the bagpipes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I heard the bagpipes and I was like, this movie's a hundred out of a hundred. And I was like, all right, well, let's just
0: (laughs) calm down, calm down. Let's
1: just back it up a little bit for now. Um, But yeah, so um, I'll say that like Denis stuck to the, to the book, like, like straight up pretty much. Um, there was stuff for sure like left out. Um,
0: Ooh, there's one wasn't... I want to ask you about. Continue. Don't let me forget. Okay.
1: Okay. Uh, there's stuff that was like for sure left out. And like you said, like the movie is long. Like if he was doing the first half of that story, like there could have been like another hour and a half. There could have been another, I believe like it. two hours. I do um, believe that. And. And so like for me, I had the advantage of knowing what the story was like. And so like I the first viewing, it didn't feel like long to me at all. And like you said, the pacing's like really good. It's very tight for a two and a half hour movie. Absolutely. Um, but like I knew the beats, right? And right. like you were going into uncharted territory. So like the second time that you watched it, you were like, Oh, I didn't it yeah, didn't feel yeah. like it was this long, right? Yeah. Like it's it's just one of those um things. But like he stuck to it so well. The cinematography is just crazy he blends this is like the biggest thing that like i loved about it was like the use of practical effects mixed with like vfx and like cgi and like the way he like blended them together was just so good i don't know like when i've seen a movie that did that as seamlessly like as this one did to like create those kinds of just unbelievable visuals Um, like you can feel i
0: believe those sandworms exist I believe it.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, the sandworms are real. Like the sandworms are real. I can't. I don't know how many times I have to say this. Um,
0: <laughs> Nobody will listen to me.
1: <laughs> they are real. You just have to go to a rock. That's right. Um, yeah. But it's just, and like I said earlier, like with the scale, like the way that he captures mm-hmm. and frames the shots, and like it, just how big it everything is. But the my, I think my favorite visual scene was with Gurney Halleck, um, Josh Brolin when like the invasion starts. Spoiler alert. Um, and he's like running out mm-hmm. like with like the rest of like his like the Atreides army. Yeah. And then like that one ship like lets off like all of the Yeah. Like Missiles and stuff like that And like the explosions And like And he It's like them like It's like an overhead shot too Mm -hmm. Like at one point Like right after that Where like the two armies Are like crashing together And you see like a ship crash Like partially at the bottom Of the screen Yeah And then like a huge fire explosion Like comes up From the bottom of the screen like Into like where they're about To like clash And some, I, it was just, it blew me away. The, um, the sandworm scene, like the, the first time you see the worm, like come out of, like not come out of the ground, like open up the earth essentially, yeah. uh, when it swallows yes. up like the, um, the thing. And, and the like, ship and, is
0: like coming around
1: and it's, yeah. And like, you just see this like almost like tornado of sand going on and like the teeth come up. Like that was so cool. Um, yeah, like it just, it, it blew me away. The acting was awesome. Um, yeah. I said to you, like, I wish we got more Oscar Isaac, but like, it would have been hard. <laughs> it would have been, yeah. Would have been difficult to get Oscar Isaac. I do think
0: or- I okay. Talking about Oscar Isaac the whole time he was on screen, I just couldn't not think of Star Wars. <laughs> like, I'm like I'm like, it's Poe Dameron.
1: It's fair. It's
0: Poe. It's everybody.
1: Poe. Po. I don't know po, if you know he, that he's, he's on
0: screen right now
1: he's got There's a lot of money butter, now like, he's waiting for him rich. to jump
0: into his like X-wing fighter and like ju- you know fly off I just it's funny to me that he's been in basically the source material for the movie that he was in <laughs> like.
1: that he was in I'll tell you what I couldn't stop looking at when Oscar Isaac was on screen that beard
0: yeah it was a good beard uh, you and your beards like
1: like, I I knew the beard. I knew it looked like that. Yeah. I'd seen the previews and everything. But the first time it popped on screen in Dolby, <laughs> like, clear cut, like, I, g- I gasped. I was like, look <gasps> at that. that beard. Look at that thing. It's, Who it's one of the best ever would have in a movie with seen. Jason
0: Momoa and Oscar Isaac that Oscar Isaac would have had the more um, luscious beard?
1: Impressive and, and oh, of, present beard. Yeah, yeah, of
0: the two. I know, because he shaves Jason Momoa shaves it off, like, halfway through the movie.
1: It's unsettling. I think when you first see it, but by the time like we got after like the first couple of scenes after he shaved, I kind of got used to it. But the first scene when he like has his face shaved, I was like, oh god, he
0: looks so much younger,
1: so much it's younger. It's crazy and just so, he just looks how much younger he, just looks he looks, like a different person yeah. almost. I know, you know,
0: it's so because bizarre. like I yeah,
1: he's always had like that scruffy like it's true. beard. Like I, I'd never seen it without it. Now um, that we're talking about so,
0: casting, I feel like um I I text you this, but the whole time the Baron is like an actor who's in a lot of makeup because it's this mm-hmm. really, really, really overweight man.
1: He is like a morbidly obese, like grotesque, yeah, evil really gross. So this the, 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 the actor Baron, Vladimir that's, Harkonnen.
0: Yes. The the actor that is playing the Baron it has a lot of prosthetics on um Uh because he has jowls and he's bald and you know all this stuff so i was pretty much only taking cues for who the actor was from the eyes and i i literally was like i know who that is and i cannot place it and i refused refused to look it up on imdb i was like i'm gonna get this and like halfway through the movie i was like it's jeffrey rush it's jeffrey (laughs) rush from pirates I was like, I nailed it, and then I and get out. if you out, look
1: at Jeffrey Rush, especially in Pirates, it looks just like it
0: does look just like him. Baron. And so then I get out and I look it up, and I'm like, oh no, Stellan Skarsgård.
1: Stellan Skarsgård
0: also was in Pirates.
1: Also He's was bootstrap in Pirates. Bill. So
0: that's right. I wasn't too far off, but um, I did not know that he was in the movie. There's a lot of people. Dave Bautista is in this. Who is great? Dave is
1: Beast Beast Rabin.
0: Um, so so good. Um, and mm-hmm. then obviously, I there's a lot of blowback on Zendaya because she's really only in the movie for like seven minutes. And I will be honest with you, based on the marketing of this movie, I would have assumed. She was a major player. Now, I understand that probably in the second one, she has a huge part. Um, It was
1: was definitely like a marketing thing that it's one of those things where it's like they had to do it. And I understand why they had to do it. Did Um, you know, like in
0: all the marketing where you're like, she's barely going to be in this?
1: Well, so I didn't for sure because I didn't know where this one was going to end.
0: Okay, that was another question I had for you was, did you think that it was going to end where it ended?
1: Uh, no, honestly, I thought, I thought it was going to go further. Okay. Um, And granted it has, it's been a little bit since I read the first book. um, And so like my time, my timelines like a little bit jumbled there Yeah. where like, I I didn't remember exactly how much happened leading up to what we saw. And I, I, I felt like there was. I thought there was like more weight, like it was like it was going to get to a further point in the story and then gotcha. the second movie would be that. So I, I had no idea. I didn't anticipate it being there, but I think it is like actually a really it's a perfect stopping off point, actually. I, I should have if I had like just read the book, I probably would have known like yeah. that's where they were probably gonna leave it off. Um but like I said, there was I, I was I had my timeline kind of just off for, yeah. for the movie.
0: Well and Zendaya says her character um, right at the end, says it's only just the beginning, which I'm assuming is a line they added and not in actually in the book. <laughs> because it is kind of a nice I, yeah, way I to don't... end a first part of a like a sequel or like a two movie or three movie series.
1: Yeah. I mean, they had Zendaya in the movie, like she is a part of it, and her character is a very large player for this like universe, like very important. Yeah. Um, and like they, even though she wasn't gonna be in a lot of it, they had to market her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, and for because like,
0: I'm assuming obviously like not that they did this on purpose of like the casting, but obviously like you're drawing in a younger crowd with Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya. Those are Yeah. You're really going heavy for the Gen Zers there. Um yeah. and I know a lot of people who wanna see it just because Timothy Chalamet's in it. And I'm like, All right, so exactly. there we go. Exactly. Um I do understand that. It's not that she I think it's a little bit of a misnomer, too, because the way they talk about it, it sounds like she only shows up in the last seven minutes of the movie, which is not true. You see her multiple times before that. Um, Mm -hmm. So she is a presence in the movie throughout the whole thing. So I do understand that. But we got to talk about my girl, Becky Ferg's. Becky Ferg's. Um, Rebecca Ferguson is, I feel like... I feel like people are just coming to understand what I have been saying for yep.
1: years. You, you, you were way ahead of the curve. I've here, been for way sure. ahead of
0: the curve, and because people
1: are like, "Oh, she's like, look at Rebecca Ferguson; she's just crushing it." It's I like, where, where were you? Where were you in Mission Impossible? Five? Right. Where were where you? Where were at? you
0: during Rogue Nation, my friends? <laughs> um, but uh, so I, there's a lot of Oscar buzz around Rebecca Ferguson. Which is interesting. I saw some people tossing out supporting actress, but I would argue that she has more of a leading role.
1: I think I I think if you're assigning a leading actress to that movie, it's her.
0: Yeah, it has to be right. I
1: think that's deserved as well. Yeah,
0: she She might have more of a chance in a supporting category, but I think but she is the lead actress in the movie. She is in like most of it. P- yeah, pretty much all like, of it. And she's, <laughs> she,
1: I, I would say that she might be like the most important part of this first part.
0: Yeah. And for she's sure. like a really
1: important character uh, in general. But this part, I think, I think she like cut through a lot of the, um, intense, like, serious, uh, like, stuff that was going on and, like, pointed people in the direction of, like, what's important. Yes. Like, with her performance. Yeah. Right? And like, a I lot think... of people
0: are saying she's... Her character is kind of the heart of the movie. Um yeah. Which yeah. I agree 100%. with. Like, she's definitely, like, the emotional, like, compass. um, yeah. So to speak. And Rebecca Ferguson, like, just nailed it. And I... Her character's name is Jessica, which... I'd be lying <laughs> if Jessica. I said the one the one thing I was most excited about when this, the casting for this came out, I was like, Oh my gosh, Rebecca Ferguson is playing a character named Jessica. What? I have to see Mm -hmm. it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm in that you sold me. That's it. Like I I'm done. But, uh, she obviously plays a very pivotal role. She's the mother of Timothy Chalamet's character, Paul Atreides, Mm -hmm. which this is interesting. So, and this is a question I have, and I don't think this is a spoiler. Um, She is his mother, but she is not married to Oscar Isaac, who is the head of the house Atreides. However, her character is listed on IMDb. So maybe this is just a misnomer on IMDb as Lady Jessica Atreides. Huh. Interesting. Is it like that in the book?
1: No. No it's made very clear that they're not married in fact it's it's one of it's a very it's a very important point uh that like they talk about a lot actually um,
0: cuz it's kind the of reason, glazed over in the movie if you missed it is that kind of if you blink and miss that scene you would have no idea
1: yeah yeah you are right um and she yeah not married to leto duke leto atreides um but they I can't remember exactly. That's what it was. Okay. So the Bene Gesserit, Mm -hmm. she is a Bene Gesserit, Mm -hmm. um, was raised as one, has all the training and everything like that. And she was sent to serve her purpose as a um, consultant, essentially um, a a mouth and the ear of Duke Leto, right. Um, To advise him on, on certain things, right. Mm -hmm. When he was, when he came into power, Right. um for the Atreides family after the grandfather was gored by a bull i don't know if you picked up on that
0: i did the second time after i read about it and then noticed all of the bull i was like why all do they keep showing the that stuff bull on where the head they're like the-
1: shoving it in your face
0: i was like well i noticed it in the movie but i was like what the heck is like, that about yeah
1: you're like i don't i don't think that and means anything like, like, it's some any- like, sort yeah, of yeah.
0: symbolism i'm not picking up on it's fine
1: yeah It's just like little subtle hints to be like, hey, and that's like one thing that he does that Denny does throughout the movie is he drops visual cues for people that have like read the books. Yeah, that they're like, like, oh, yeah, they they tell this like and he uses those to like tell the story of like the smaller details and the finer little things without using any exposition. Yeah, right. So that's kind of what he does, like, and he does. He, they do mention the bull a little bit, yeah. right? But he shows you like a couple of different shots, of like the bull to be like, "Hey, this is how their grandfather was killed." Yeah, like, by, you know. And there's like a couple other things throughout that are that are just like that. Um, you'll see, like, you don't know, but like the uh, the desert mouse. Um, yes, I did is, see is the warm. tiny desert mouse. Um, and you'll understand it's importance uh, in some time, two years from now. All right. Um,
0: or if I choose so, to read the book between now and then, or if
1: you, or if you choose to read decided the book yet. is <laughs> I've got, I've got a copy. I'll ship it up to I'm you. i like, October, it up. I'll 2023. It up
0: Will I finish the book before then? Hard to say.
1: <laughs> the countdown <laughs> begins. Time's ticking.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, but yeah, uh, one other thing, um, oh, what's his, what's his name? Uh, the guy I don't know if you could understand that was his name, but safir Hawat.
0: Who is he? that the doctor?
1: He was like this, this short stumpy dude um that was like always around uh Duke Leto and Gurney and them. That he he had like he's the one who uh is in the Ornithopter with Jessica and Paul when they get onto Dune. Like is when it they are the arrive. guy that
0: his eyeballs roll back into his skull and he Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I That's know that guy. 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 Yeah.
1: Um, so him and uh, David Desmal's chains character yeah. uh, t- for the Baron, right? Like yeah. he was serving the Baron right. and this guy's, well, I, I can't think of his actual name in real life, but Tsefir Hawat yeah. are both Mintats um, which are essentially like people that are trained to be human computers. Oh,
0: uh, which so is why his eyes roll, roll back in his have... head when he's computing.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly he's like referencing like like his own like like, he essentially has like a database right that he like references and so like they're trained from like a very young age like ways to like learn at an insane rate and to like absorb knowledge and so like they're kind of like the computer but it's like a real person they're like human rolodexes
0: of information that are just right next to you all the time
1: exactly so i thought that was a little interesting thing that people probably Almost definitely missed or didn't yeah. know if they. Yeah, well, I read just the thought books. that's
0: weird that his eyes rolled back in his head.
1: We <laughs> what heard... was that little thing? Yeah, that was odd. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. Yeah, no? we're just okay. blowing right
0: past that. No one's gonna say anything. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs>
1: uh, it's very funny to me. There's been like a, a very funny conversation around Duncan Idaho, which is Jason Momoa's. Um,
0: yeah, it's a weird name. name.
1: And like it's funny to me because like I've been reading it for so long. Because, you know, not to spoil anything, but Duncan Idaho is like ever present yeah. throughout everything. Um he I've been reading it for so long that it doesn't even like register for me anymore. I'm just like, yeah, it's Duncan Idaho. You're like, yeah, his name. And then everybody was like, okay, there's a guy named Duncan Idaho, and I was like, it is weird.
0: <laughs> now that you say it out loud. Mm-hmm, yep, it's weird. It's a
1: little, it's a little goofy, I got to admit. <laughs> there was um, some
0: tweet that was like, Duncan Idaho, Hannah Montana, like listed all these people with like states in their last name. And they're like, what's next? Are we going to hit all 50? I'm like, that's freaking hilarious. <laughs> it's like, but um, if anybody but, could pull off a character named Duncan Idaho, it is Jason Momoa. And just like, yeah, be like, yeah no, it's a dumb name, but he is pulling it off. Like he yeah. is crushing it. <laughs>
1: A hundred percent. I've got to see, there was a tweet that I saw that was like, there's, there's always like a role for like a dude that just kind of, he's just kind of goofy and he's just kind of like, like a loud badass kind of guy. And it's like, and they were like, they're like, you don't really need acting range when like, when you do that better than anyone else. And (laughs) like, that's Jason Momoa, like he's just the dude that rocks, right? Like he's just.
0: You're like, it's oh just yeah, like a guy. No, that's it's Jason just... Momoa. Like it's just him being him. Yeah, like <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Like he embodies like that kind of character. It's just funny to me I will me, say too like this movie.
0: I so Zendaya's character is um shown throughout the movie. He's having visions of mm-hmm. her. Um yeah. but obviously Chani. but she doesn't really like talk until they meet. And <laughs> the first thing out of her mouth, I was like Oh, that's such a Zendaya role. Like it's just sarcasm. It's just dripping with sarcasm. And I'm like Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, they cast her because like what like she just is <laughs> yeah, she's very out. much her character in Spider Man. <laughs> which is hilarious.
1: Like she's very much. She's, she's, she's MJ. Right. She's just dripping
0: with disdain, everything out of her mouth. Like I'm like, I was like, Oh yeah, that was appropriate casting.
1: It's like like a general, like tiredness. Like, I don't have the time for this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You're just, why are you here? You're ruining (laughs) my life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so I think, like, overall, I thought the casting was incredible. Um, Mm -hmm. Like you said, there's just a a lot of people in it. Um, I, of course, my favorite character was Lady Jessica with Rebecca Ferguson. And I do think, uh, like, I can't think of anybody else that I would have cast in that role to play it. Because you believe her. So she's a Benny Jesuit. So she's, like, has mystical powers, or magical or or spiritual, however you want to talk about it. Um, Mm -hmm. And so just really good fighter. Yeah. There's an intensity about her that you have to believe. Right. So yeah, the whole, like this whole idea of the voice that they use. um, I it's in the first like seven minutes of the movie and it scared me. Like it legitimately, like I was like, what was that? Like it's, it,
1: it, it made me jump too. Yeah.
0: It's just like, it's kind of demonic, like a lip, not a not really, but it just has that like,
1: it's like a supernatural,
0: like demonic, like
1: like vibrato to it. It
0: doesn't sit well with you. Um, which is why, I mean, it commands people to do things. So obviously like it needs to have this authoritative weirdness, um, to it, but so she has to be believable in that intensity. And she's a, you find out she's a fighter. Um, but she's also a mother. And so she has to have that softness about her and where that whole idea of her being the heart comes in is like she is torn with her allegiance to the Benny Jesuit and the fact that this is her son, but who he is, is a huge chunk of the storyline. Like the fact that he is the way that he is, Mm
1: -hmm. is
0: a large part of the whole storyline. But a lot of that is because of Lady Jessica.
1: Yeah, I think and it, has, she, it has
0: more to do with her than it even does his lineage as, you know, as being part of the House of Atreides.
1: Yeah, because he doesn't even really at this point, like he's starting to figure it out a little bit, but he doesn't even really know like who he is. really. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so like what he is or or what he could be and and the way that he interacts with like the world around him is told through Jessica and yeah. this movie. Right. Yeah. Like and and like you said, she She has that sense of like duty versus like love and wanting to protect like her son, and so she's like constantly torn. She she is protective, but like she is also knowingly putting him like into harm's way. Yeah, and at some points, right? And um,
0: well, and I think to her, like like... they kind of make it evidence that like, I mean, she's training him, and Mm -hmm. so I think she sees that as her form of protection. Right. Like if she can train him to be the strongest version of this, then he'll be able to protect himself. And I've done my job kind of thing. And I
1: think she also she's just like, it's either this way like this is how it has to be. Like the situation necessitates that you are this. Yeah. Like regardless of how I feel about it or what I want to do, like this is what we have to do. Right. Right. So. It's very interesting. She's Rebecca Ferguson. Ferguson is fantastic. Like she's she does she's so really, much with really just goodness. like a
0: look like her, her yeah. the way she acts is just like and and she's so believable in both aspects of that role. And I think nothing is it's never more evident than that hand in the box scene. So she has to mm-hmm. leave And it's her standing outside the room, like really working through all those emotions of like, where am I right now? Like, and she does that whole fear is the killer. You know, like there's that whole like, mantra basically yeah, f- that she does yeah, it's the
1: Benny Jezerit mantra it's, yeah. it, fear is a mind killer it's the small death that brings total annihilation i think and then it goes on from yeah. there but like that that is like a super important thing like throughout all of the books it's ever present yeah. like fear is a mind killer the Benny Jezerit are told to like embrace fear let it move through you yeah. as like part of the let, thing too. Ma-
0: let it pass around me and through me yeah, like she has like yeah. this whole thing that she says, and yeah,
1: it's like their credo.
0: Yeah, and she g- literally moves from like it's she's like so she's such a good actress because at the beginning of the the mantra, it's like one hundred percent extreme. I am a mother, all the way through to Benny Jesuit at the end of it, where it's like from full on like tears shaking to like straight on purpose driven no emotion yep. and I'm like holy crap how did she do that
1: like crazy to capture that that entire range yeah. of like and emotions and like, portray it the so span well
0: of like 20 seconds like it's crazy yeah, like it is crazy and um I'm just glad that like she's getting a lot of buzz and I think Timothy Chalamet should be getting I mean not that he's he's already been nominated for you know call me by your name and um he's been given some obviously accolades and stuff like that but I think for her I'm like this not that people don't know who she is i think she's been in a lot of stuff so people are like but even if you say her name they're like who and i'm like "She was in mission impossible she was like you know the she, redhead she's and greatest somebody showman. that should be yeah.
1: name recognized yeah. by everyone right. and she deserves the recognition that i hope she gets for yeah. this and
0: i think even if she i to me i'll consider it a win if she's nominated i don't know that she'll win yeah. um, especially yeah, since sure. the house of gucci trailer came out today did you see that i'm like <sighs> lady gaga is like did you see my tweet? I was like, this will either yeah. be amazing oh, yeah. or awful. There is no in between.
1: <laughs> it's literally it's it's somewhere between disaster and masterpiece. Like where right? it's it's one way or the other. It's like it's I'm gonna so be one of the two. It.
0: There's not you're not gonna yeah. walk out of that movie and go like, Yeah, that's all right. It's either gonna yeah. be like I I literally the movie the movie theater is on fire right now because somebody set it on fire or
1: people are rioting in the theater yeah
0: or it's the Sistine Chapel it's like going to be yeah. one of the like one of the two there's just no way but I do yep. think. Um, the Oscar races are going to be tight this year, just because I think a lot of stuff that obviously didn't come out last year is coming out this year. So, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of stuff. So for me, I will consider it success if she's nominated, obviously ultra success. If she wins, um, I yeah. will obviously be pulling for her, but, mm. uh, this was, um, and she does the whole, not for nothing, but the but the Academy loves when you don't wear makeup or you mess up with your face or something like that. And she goes makeup makeupless yeah. the whole movie, so she's got that going yeah. for it. Whole movie,
1: um, whole movie, and she rocks some awesome outfits as well. Dude,
0: she crushes it. we haven't talked about Javier Bardem. Oh, I, there's so many people S- in this movie.
1: I know, like
0: that you're just like there's I'm like so oh so many yeah people that in guy. This movie,
1: <laughs> it's like who we haven't even covered yet. It's he's only a few
0: scenes, who- but he's good.
1: He's awesome. His character is super important, super crucial. He's going to be one of the most important characters in the next one. I bl- um, I
0: assumed that, yeah.
1: He's kind of like the unofficial, unelected uh but well-respected and the leader of the of the Freeman cohort that he's with yeah. uh for a reason. Um you know, like there's they those people would have no reason to follow someone if they didn't deserve to be a leader right yeah, like right they would just kill them and, yeah. and get somebody else up there um so he's like really important um he's an awesome character i'm very excited to see it and it was just fun to like listen to him and see his like portrayal of stilgar like on screen that was really cool i love javier bardem i think he's one of the best actors in the world like he's always fantastic yeah. um and we'll see more from him uh in part two
0: <laughs> for sure. one of the best moments of levity is when he comes in and- Meets uh Duke Leto of Atreides and he spits on the ground. And yeah. Josh Brolin's character is like, How dare you? And then Jason Momo is like, Thank you for offering your uh moisture. Yeah, your water, your yeah, body's, your water, water. <laughs> your body's water for and it is like a it what's like what a we sign would, of
1: great respect, yeah, right.
0: Whereas like for us it would be like, Oh my gosh, he spit on me. And it's like, like you no, spit at him. I'm like giving it's you like, some of the most valuable resource, which I thought yeah. was Hilarious. There was yeah, most yeah, of the love like the moments of levity came from Jason Momoa's character, Duncan mm-hmm. Idaho, which yeah. you would assume from a guy named Duncan Idaho.
1: Yeah. That maybe it was he actually would funny. be the comic uh, relief. Yeah. Um <laughs> and, and Duncan and he's clearly like a badass warrior as well. Um, but he does bring like that that a little bit of levity. It's funny because Gurney Halleck, uh, Josh Brolin's mm-hmm. character, um, and I was like dying for it. I'm kind of sad that we didn't get it, but Gurney's like a big singer. He's a big
0: Oh, that was another like, scene that was cut. I saw this. Yeah, he's like a
1: musician, and I wanted the Josh Brolin singing a song uh, <laughs> scene. But but Gurney was it's funny. He's generally like fairly like aloof and just kind of like um, a joker as well. Yeah. But Josh Brolin played him in like a super serious manner. Oh but yeah.
0: He's very intense. Gurney in is movie. also
1: like very. At that point in time, he's like very like. Stressed and on guard because yeah. like he knows things are What's happening coming, so yeah. like he, it is toned yeah. yeah so but i was bummed that we didn't get the uh, Josh so- Brolin playing a uh, weird guitar and i i just i really love the way he adapted it um i loved everything about this movie um it, it it was cool to like see him like put it on screen like things that i had read
0: right yeah yeah
1: yeah and like he's so perfectly, like, captured a lot of the time, like, things, like, how I thought they would look. Right. Which is really interesting, but he also, like, put new images in my head that I, like, there's certain things that, like, you are hard to, like, grasp right. and, like, picture in your own head that you can't ever really, like, settle on something yeah. of, like, what would that look like? What would that look like? And seeing him put it on screen was, like, oh my gosh, yeah. right? Like, it was, it was just cool. Visually unbelievable. Hans Zimmer, like, so so good the sound design in general of this movie yeah. is insane um did you see my tweet recommend... about the score
0: i was like it is like wonder woman meets gladiator yeah that's pretty yeah. spot on
1: yeah it is when i saw that i was when i saw pipes. you tweet that i was like dang it really is <laughs> yeah and bagpipes plus and, bag uh, braveheart for the bagpipes
0: right right right. yeah which makes sense because wonder woman and gladiator are both hans zimmer scores mm-hmm. um so yep. um, Hans Zimmer is back for the second one, thank the Lord above. Huge,
1: and Love that.
0: I think everybody's coming back. Same cinematographer too. Did you see they signed him on? So that's awesome. I did. Yeah. So I think it's gonna be
1: fantastic.
0: It's gonna be awesome. I read right before we hopped on here that they probably won't start filming till next fall, and it comes out in 2023. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's cutting it really
1: close. That's gonna be a time crunch. Yeah. That makes me I think. That say, makes me
0: think that the worms are real. I'm just saying.
1: Well, I mean, well, they're going to need, you know, they only had the one for this movie because of the budget. They got to go get the other worms. They got to round them up. They got to wrangle
0: those things. It's going to take a while.
1: They've got a union thing. I know. They're so hard
0: to deal with. They're so just
1: just jerks. The Sandworm (laughs) Union is just a pain in the butt, man. Sandworm Guild. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I'll circle back to, like, a couple things. There's a couple characters that, like, have to be cast for part two that will show up, I assume. There's Fate Ratha, which is um, the, I guess, like, nephew, I think, of Lord... Or the the Baron Vladimir Harkonnen. Um, okay. And Rotha is generally like um, a fairly good looking, like young, think, fit, like Timothy Chalamet's age. And they're like Sting, almost counterparts.
0: I think Sting played this character in the 1970s y- version.
1: You are 100% <laughs> right. It was Sting.
0: Who knew Sting had such a big acting career? It was, so who do you think they're going to cast?
1: Ah, there's like rumblings. I think it's going to be Barry Keegan. Really? Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't love him. Surprised me. Um, I think I, I'm interested to see him in Eternals because I think he's like maybe taking a little bit of a different path because he always plays like that super annoying like you're the worst person yeah, I've like ever he's seen in my like life a, character. Yeah, twerk. And Fade Ratha is kind of like that, but in a different way and yeah. a much more like flamboyant and boisterous and like yeah. I'm the best. Like yeah. no one could ever beat me. Like yeah. kind of way. And also like. He's generally, like, described as, like, physically fit. Um, But I think Barry Keegan's, like, really good friends with Timothy Chalamet. And, like, they're around the same age. And so, I don't know. I saw him, him, like, there was, like, news, like, rumblings about it. And then he, like, tweeted something out yesterday. It was just, like, a cryptic, like, emoji tweet. Right? (gasps) And so I was like, I was like, is it going to be him? Like, you know, I don't know. Uh, But then there's uh, Lord Fenring um, that needs to be cast, who is, like, essentially, like, Related to the Harkonnens, okay. um, and then there's Princess Uralan, who is the Emperor's daughter. I have that heard. Needs to be
0: cast. I've heard that. I read a tweet that was like, "It'll be very interesting to see who they cast as the Emperor, because that will determine what kind of casting they do for prin- the Princess." Um, yep.
1: Yep. That's going to rely heavily on it because it's obviously the Emperor's daughter. So like, there's got to be you know, a little bit of connectivity there. Um, And then there's The Emperor, obviously. So,
0: Um, I I really, really enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would because I just, those just aren't my type of movies, but I did really enjoy it. I immediately was like, okay, I have to know what happens. So (laughs) do I read the book or do I wait? And I'm still trying to decide, but I think that I am with you on that 100%. Go see it on the biggest screen possible. I'm going to say, just doing it.
1: (laughs) Just doing it. And thanks for letting me nerd out. And I hope that no you i feel like i learned so
0: much i think our listeners who are maybe on the fence will feel more prepared going in to see it um yeah. and i definitely like to your point though like you don't need to know anything going into it he does a really great job no. of setting up the universe um and everything that's happening in it and it's really good i think you should see it with that we'll leave you with some han zimmer bagpipes Yes. Calling us to our homeland of Scotland and to the house Atreides.
1: (laughs) Take us away, Hans. (laughs) He's here, by the way. No.